steal away. Okay. Steal away. <laughs> steal away. <laughs> Welcome to CCM again in 3D. I'm Dan. I'm Derek. Hello again. I'm Dave. Yay. And here we are again talking about those amazing classic contemporary Christian music songs from 1985 to 1995. Well, songs, albums, producers, yep. you name it. The whole thing. Just fawning on all over them. So uh, great music from that era. And today we get to talk about Russ Taff, amazing, amazing artist who had an amazing album, self-titled album, called Rust Half. Right. Yeah, imagine. It's self-titled. <laughs> yeah, it's self-titled. Imagine that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, fantastic album. Uh, let's see. The year was 19... Do you remember? 87? 87. 87. Yep, 1987 it comes out. Yep. You know, it's a good thing he didn't call this album, like, Sandy Patty or Rust, yeah, very really confusing. Be, yeah. Right, because it's a good thing he went ahead and used his name because Rust otherwise, Taff White Heart. Right, Rust you know, Rust Taff Petra. That would, that would yeah. be so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> he made it easy for us. Yeah, eighty seven. That was um I I kind of looked at our list here. That was a pretty dry year for other kind of memorable albums. Um mm-hmm. The only two I kind of noticed, if I'm reading it right on our list, uh, we had, of course, Russ, and then we had DeGarmo's D&K album came out that year, and the only other Great big album. one that I saw was The Turning by Leslie Phillips, so that's those are kind of the albums of note from 87, so well, this and, is a biggie, uh, for sure. The Imperials, interestingly enough, come out with this year's model. Oh, did that come out in, in 87? 87, okay. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Perfect. Stephen Chris Chapman launched his his career with First Hand is his first project in 87. Perfect. Okay, so, well, yeah. those two that definitely belong on there. So that's good. That, that fills yeah. it out a little more. Then. I mean, lots of, lots of good stuff, but uh, this one just stood out right. in a big way. I mean, there's lots, um, lots to say about this album, lots to say about Russ, of course. He's had many, many different uh, albums through the years and amazing songs, big anthems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could listen to this record over and over again. Yeah, for uh, sure. Very few weak songs in here or songs that I would skip. Just uh, lots of good radio playable songs at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think he gets lots of airplay out of this album. Um, but it's also very real. You know, talks yeah. about talks about tough things. He talks about, I'm not strong. I still believe. He's asking God to breathe life into me. And all sorts of things. So I, I like it because, you know, there are many times throughout the Bible, right, that people cry out to God. And I think this is kind of one of those. For sure. Yeah, definitely. So. Do you guys still own your copies, your CD copies of this album or no? I don't have, I never had the CD, unfortunately. I do have still uh, some like a set copy of Rust Half. All right. For what that's Very worth. Good. Sure. Sure, about 75 cents and a cup of coffee. <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's what, it what it's worth. But to you, it's priceless, right, Dave? It's always been priceless. Yeah. It's exactly, exactly. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what's priceless about, one of the things that's priceless about this album is the cover shows that in this time, guys, this was the full and complete greatness of the Rust Half mullet. This was the longest yes. that they had gotten 
Oh, it just yes. Gra- it graces the cover as it's blowing in the wind as he's on the beach. Yes. Yes. yes that's True. right. It sure does. In fact, I'm looking at a, I just, I don't know what happened to my CD copy. It went MIA a long time ago and the guys will vouch for me. I just found this used for three ninety nine. Amazing. last week at a used bookstore. So I now have another CD copy in my possession Sweet. right here as we speak. Yeah. Nice. And the mullet is beautiful. <laughs> like Dave said, the mullet is beautiful. It is. So it, this would probably be, I guess, an appropriate time to tell my sob story of my CDs. Oh, I didn't uh, want to bring that up. But... I know, but I'm like, I have to. I'm like, you keep asking, hey, you still have yours? I'm like, I wish I did. Oh, so okay. So it, it was around 1992, me and my wife moved into our first house. And the night before... Uh, we had moved everything from our apartment to the garage of the house. And the next day we get there and half the stuff has been stolen, uh, including, including about four boxes of my classic oh, CDs. Oh, terrible. And I know they saw, they just saw, they just saw boxes and CDs, right? Yeah. And then, so they took them all, you know, when they got, wherever they got where they were going, they look, open them up like, who are these people? Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I lost so many CDs. I just, I mean, hundreds of them. And oh. such a bummer. Yeah. So, wow. So I get, instead, my copy is on my phone. Yep, your so, copy's on your phone. <laughs> on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. Thank you, Spotify. So, yeah, it was yeah. a real bummer. Well, I got some of them back, but not all of them. Yeah, you you mentioned your general memories of this, Dan, you know, kind of it being real and, and um, just kind of the lyrical content and that sort of thing. When I, of course, I got my latest copy last week used so I, I came home and immediately wanted to make sure that the disc was playable and the and the the disc that you know to visually it's it's there's not a scratch on it so you're hoping for good things and it did it played fine all the way through so it, we're good but the first thing that i noticed when i put it in was the it, the cd player and yes i still have a cd player it read out the total time of the disc huh. which was which was 48 minutes and eight seconds and this is one of the first discs that I remember purchasing back in 1987 that was 45 that was over 45 minutes long. Now, can yeah. either of you guys remember why that's important? Why is that important? I don't know. Okay, because when you wanted to record a CD off onto a cassette tape, it had to be 45 minutes or less mm. because half of four, half of 90 minutes. Which is the longest, you know, forty. Uh, you know, you usually get a ninety-minute cassette. Yeah. Each side was forty-five minutes, so this album clocked in at forty-eight. So three minutes. <laughs> is, so that was that was a problem. So I, me and my Max, my Max LXL two tapes, <laughs> we couldn't fit the entirety of Russ Taft's self-titled album on one side of a Max LXL two. That's so that funny. was a problem. So already, this CD and I were off on a bad foot because I couldn't record it and listen to it on my Walkman. Oh, so, man. see, now uh, I can think of. I can. We'll get into this later, but I can think of one song you probably could have left off of that. Okay. Well, we, we <laughs> we'll, might get we'll into, into that, that later. <laughs> yeah, we might. We might. Man. We might. 
First world yeah. problems there, Derek. First, totally. And back in 1987, first world problems. Yes. So when you guys listen to this album, and, and we're all so familiar with Russ's output from Walls of Glass to Metals to this album, even beyond to like um, The Way Home, that sort of thing. Did any of you guys see this album coming after Metals? Metals is a pretty upbeat no. album. Not yeah. gonna bow. Um, yeah. Rock solid. Uh, rock solid. I'm not alone. Sign that whole thing. Yeah. Right. And so you get to this album, and the cover is trying to hint to you that this isn't gonna be. You know, the the colors are real muted and gray, and it it kind of sets the tone for where the album's going lyrically. This is definitely Russ's Dark Night of the Soul album. Yeah. Um, and it's so unexpected after kind of the upbeat tone of metals, don't you guys think? Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Metals is probably still my favorite Russ album, but it's hard to argue that this isn't his best lyrically and musically, and obviously vocally, because um, you could just hear the passion in his, in his voice. And, you know, Derek, I agree, I didn't see this coming at all. Yeah. Uh, when I put it in the first time, um, have you guys seen the 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 movie he put out a couple of years ago in 2018? I still believe I have not yet. Yes, I've seen okay. it. It chronically, you know, at the time I read an interview and it said he had gone through a dark time, but it, there was no specifics. So I haven't seen the movie. You kind of, I kind of understood what he was going through. You know, the pressures of, of being this huge star in CCM and. You know, and he had some other demons he was battling, and uh, they just kind of put this album in perspective. And, you know, I remember thinking, okay, now it all makes sense. And then going yeah. back and listening to it this week, I heard it through a different set of ears, kind of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you see that documentary, it really makes this, it really helps this album make sense. Yeah. It, it sure does. And then one other thing I wanted to just throw out there and see if you guys had noticed. Now, Dave, do you happen to have your cassette copy handy? I do not, do unfortunately. Okay. That's all right. So I've got my CD right here, like I said. And this, this album has a song. I'm, I'm doing air quotes. A song on it that shows up in a whole bunch of other albums from this time. And I won't even wait for you guys to guess what it is. I'll just tell you what it is. It's the ubiquitous song C-Label for Sequence. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. Remember that? Yeah. So usually I think probably what would happen is they do the, the cover and the artwork and the design, and they would have a list of songs that were going to be on there, but they hadn't actually done the tracking yet. They didn't know which song was going to be the first song or the third song or the seventh or whatever. And so they would just list them in alphabetical order. And then at the bottom, see label for sequence. Yeah, that drove me crazy. Yeah. I couldn't yes. stand it when albums did that. Yes, and 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 here's the other thing in the in the Rust Taff. If you pull out the insert, so when you go to look at the lyrics, you you open up the insert, and it's a C label for sequence uh, thing too. So yes. the very first set of lyrics oh. after he thanks everybody is "Believe in Love," which is oh, but the that's third not track. the first song. Yeah, that's yeah. the third track. Huh. And then you've got "Breathe Life Into Me" again. So they're just going in alphabetical order. Because when they did the artwork and the design, probably didn't have it settled yet what what the track order was going to be. 
And so you have the ubiquitous C label for sequence. So we always used to joke that was an extra song on the album. (laughs) So there needs to be somebody like Steve Taylor or, you know, some smart alecky artist that needs to write a song called C label for sequence. And then all would be well. Yeah. It's like, if you have OCD, that's your worst nightmare. Yes, exactly. It's not in order. What is happening right now? (laughs) Right. I don't even know what song I'm in because the label I'm supposed to look at is inside the CD player. That's right. What song is this? (laughs) I don't know. No clue. This must be the song C label for sequence. (laughs) Terrible. Yes. Again, first world problems. Yes, first world problems. That is so funny. I've forgotten all about that. Yeah, yep. that's true. Yeah, yeah. Funny. Oh, and I'll, I'll throw up one more thing, and then we'll get started in the track by track. You know, the 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 handy dandy, um, hundred greatest albums in Christian music book. Yes, edited by CCM Books. CCM presents the hundred greatest albums in Christian music. So I will throw this one on you guys and see what you think. Where do you guys think this album ranks on that? Uh, 100 greatest albums in Christian music list. Oh, boy. So I'm not going to give it away. Nope. I'll just... well, I can tell you, knowing this list, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh. They, they put some weird things all over yeah, the place. Yeah, they do. I'm going to so say you... in the 30s. I'm just going to say in the 30s. All right. Dave's guessing gonna, in the 30s. Then I'm going to say in the bottom half. So like the 70s I hope or 80s? Not, but, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, like below 50. Below or 50, higher than 50, okay. I mean. Higher than 50. All right. Yeah. All right. So in the bottom half of the list. So where this ends up, actually, in this 100 greatest albums in Christian music, it ends up not ranked. What? It didn't Whoa. make it. It that's, did not make it. That's a crime. Guess how many times it shows up in the honorable mentions? Never. Zero? What? Wow. Never. Never. Ugh. Okay, this and that's this album this is not mentioned in the book. <laughs> so we end that podcast. Have a nice day. Thanks for and listening. And we're done. <laughs> yeah, it, isn't that just crazy? Now, there are two Russ Taft albums in this in this book. Um, Metals makes yeah. it in here. And um, Metals ends up at... Let me take a look here. Thumbing through it. I have the book right here. Metals ends up at 36 and then the other one they have is The Way Home. I was going to say Way Home, I bet, yeah. And that one ends up at, oh, it's going to be, there it is, at 11. What? Whoa, yeah, wow. At 11. Huh. Yes. Yeah. Now, I will say, of all the Rust solo albums, The Way Home is probably my favorite. Okay. So I've given I've let the cat out of the bag early on that. However, <laughs> okay. it's it's not by much. It's not like the way home is way up here yeah. and Rust Tap is, you know, two laps behind. It's right. it's kind of a pretty close. Um it's like, you know, a, a pretty neck and neck thing. But o- overall I like uh, the way home just a skosh better, but yeah, the, this album didn't so, make it on those lists is incredible to me. So since we kind of went talking about this, I did not expect the way home after this album, Rust Half. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, and we can talk about that album later, but yeah, yeah for sure. Right. You know, because sure. so my first, one of my first exposures was this album, Rust Half, Rust Half. 
Okay. I had to go. I had to go back to metals, and then of course, the way home came out later. And uh, I just did not expect the way home after Rust Half. Oh, okay. But and then a couple other tidbits here. So metals went to number two on the Christian uh, charts, album okay. charts. This album, Rust Half, goes to number two, and the way home went to number one. So we we have we do have three amazing albums in a row. Yes. Um, yeah. So you know, Dave, you're you're a metals guy. I'm I'm this one, and Derek, you're the way home. Yeah. Uh, but all three of them, yeah, are just. They're oh, fantastic in their for own sure. way. Yes. For sure. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I agree with that. So. Well, shall we dive into the Let's do bulk it. of the album? Yeah. All right. All right. Do we want to uh, so hit some liner notes here, right? So, oh, yeah. Produced by, before we jump in, produced by, hold on, I'm looking. Jack, Jack Joseph, Joseph Pig. Puig. Yep. Uh-huh. Jack Joseph Puig. Um, and on A&M, so I'm looking at two different images here one's on a&m and one's myrrh a&m was the distributor for myrrh the secular okay. quote-unquote distributor for myrrh okay. of course so myrrh is a division of words so you've got myrrh a division of word distributed by a&m so okay <laughs> it, it's as All complicated right. as russ's mullet back then <laughs> yes <laughs> and then we've got some just great players on here that we'll obviously get into uh, yeah. a little bit later. But, you know, Dave Perkins and Dan Huff, again, makes his appearance. Mike Brignandello, who we've talked about before. He's, they're all kind of everywhere, right? Chris Eaton. Yep. Uh, even Charlie Peacock yep. ends up making an appearance here. Yep. Uh, so James Houlihan, uh, all sorts of good yeah here. yeah and uh Vin, the late vince ebo obviously on mm-hmm. backgrounds as well and down the lowlands so yeah it's a it's a stark studded cast for sure and there's a picaro on this did you notice that no uh-uh. we have a we have a picaro sighting wow. it's not jeff um steve? it's not steve and it's not mikey it's okay. it's joe picaro their oh. diet their father interesting yeah, who plays timpani on This Love is Strong. So the chorus of This Love is Strong has a timpani oh, yeah. part. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's Joe Picaro, who has who is the Potter Familius of the Picaro family. So yeah, we have a Picaro sighting on here. That's a nice tidbit right there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. So it opens with number one, Shake. Yeah. Um, and again, I I love this right out of the box. Just rocking, grabs you right out of the gate. You know, I'm a sucker for shredding and rocking. So, <laughs> more <laughs> so I like uh, yes. more shredding. I love his uh, raspy rock vocals, especially at the bridge here. So, again, if you're going back to listen to this, just listen and soak that in. Yeah. Good stuff. I, I don't know that I've heard a an album from this era with bigger sounding drums than this song has. Yes. Especially yeah. kind of the breakdown at the end where there's a whole lot of shaking going on. Let it all fall if it has to. Yep. The the drums there from, I believe it's um, Mel Watts. Yeah, uh, Mel, Mel Watts. Watts' drums. Yeah. yeah. Mel Watts is the, um, he is the drummer from, he's the touring drummer of Little River Band. So okay. um, he played drums on a lot of this album and boy, they just make this song. They They really shake the windows, that's for sure. Yeah, that's the great part of this song. And Russ kind of sets the lyrical tone early when his first thing out of his mouth is all that can shake is is going to shake. 
Yep. So yeah. That's right. You kind of know you're in for something different. Yeah, it's just a soulful start to the album, and it's immediately for me, I knew, hey, wait, this is not metals. This is something different, mm-hmm. you know, because it sounded yeah. completely different from metals, as, we, as we've already mentioned. Uh, but it yeah. just sets the tone for the record, and it's just a great opening song. It's a much more organic sounding record, don't you think, Dave? Oh, I mean, absolutely. There's, there's yeah. keyboards, but not nearly like there were on metals. No, a lot of keyboards, a lot of, uh, you know, drum machines, and. Right. You know, it was very well produced, but I think you're right. This is much more soulful, more stripped down, kind of more in Russ's wheelhouse, I think. Oh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. And I think this this um, this song has one of my favorite Russ lyrics of all time. Kind of the pre-chorus. I'm, I'm tired of great big men with ego kingdoms in mind trying to tell me how to spend my money and time. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's a great lyric. And that lyric, I think, is kind of sadly still relevant today with yeah. the fall of Jerry Falwell Jr. I mean, it's just, you know, you've got guys with big egos trying to build a kingdom. And that's, you know, God loves to tear that stuff down. So yep. that's... Yeah, the, I have a, I have a feeling this lyric is always going to be relevant as long as there's sin in the world. So true. And the three the three uh, lyricists who contributed to this were Dave Perkins, yeah, Russ Russ and Tori Taff. Yeah. So three of those together making this great album. Yeah. Or great song. Excuse me. Yep. So, the number two, "Walk Between the Lines." Yeah. Uh, right out of there, I I like it. I think I think it's very radio playable. Um, I like the whole eventually gets into the spoken word to see, you know, kind of whispers to seek your face, uh, yeah. you know, and then protect it in your arms, repeat yep. it over and over again at the end there. Um, the, I love the bass stabs or staccato, I guess, in there during, mm-hmm. during the, when the night breaks in, Yeah, when the night breaks in, bump, 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 you know, just that's nice. <laughs> that's my imitation of that <laughs> yes love it I had, I had a hard time finding the lyrics on my lyric sheet because it's out of sequence <laughs> oh no right. yes maybe we, should, I maybe we should have gone in alphabetical order like on the back of the we should have yes so yeah, we come we down to number two to, yeah right. we come down to the to the h songs yes this, we have higher <laughs> yeah this um this one to me is, is kind of sounds like a. I guess if I were trying to pick a single, if I was an A and R person or a radio promotions person, I would put in a vote for this one. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's yeah. close. To, I don't really. I differ from you guys. I kind of saw this as not as radio friendly of an album as definitely as much as metals metal yeah, just I sounds agree. like it has about 10 hit singles on it right yeah. um this one feels much more weighty but it, it definitely feels a little more esoteric a little more album tracks type uh, and that's that's not a slam in fact that's that's a compliment for me i yeah. i just so i'm i'm very much love the way it's um it kind of resists oh there's the radio song you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, uh, uh, maybe living on the edge of time might be a little bit of a radio song, but still not much. Doesn't sound like much that was on the radio back then. Right. No, no, this is the only track on the album that I actually put great radio song. 
I don't think yeah. I have a radio yeah. song on any of the rest of them. Because you get the long intro, and you can just hear the you know, DJ talking up over the intro, and it goes on and it builds up. Rush, Rush comes in with the drums, and, and then the chorus, I mean, it's a really catchy chorus. gets stuck in your head, and um, yeah. it's kind of a long song, but it doesn't feel long. Um, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's such a such a great song, and I think being number two on the album is the perfect place for this for this song to be. Yeah, yeah. Although they didn't know at the time because it's out of sequence, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but they made the right decision. They <laughs> did. They made the right decision. It did. And I love the lyric toward the end. If my friends turn away, I won't sway. For I found a yes. shark to pilot me. Right. I always really gravitated toward that lyric and really used to think of that a lot just that was always a very important as i think back to some of the lyrics that you know were really important to me back then this was that was one of them you stole the words right out of my mouth so yeah you know sorry about that no that's right you're trying good because i was thinking uh you know as i listen to things on spotify like newer music on spotify or i listen back to these you know i was thinking the other day gosh one thing you do miss about these digital music files is you don't get to see all the liner notes. You don't know who wrote, yeah. who, who right. uh, played on this and you don't see all these crossover collaborations. And, you know, you don't understand that. Yes. Rust half is seeing this, but this was completely written by Dave Perkins. Right. So it's a whole Dave Perkins song, words and music. By right. Dave. Right. So it's his song. Russ sings it, uh, which does an amazing job of it. Yes, he does. Yeah, that's for sure. So number three, we got Believe in Love. And I think Russ here has an amazing way of singing with such a heartfelt plea. And this is one of those. Um, and then the big sax solo, love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, previous, I'd say again, kind of like we were talking about earlier, previous albums seemed pretty lighthearted, but this seems to go for me a little deeper with questions and searching, searching mm-hmm. and stuff. But yep. I, what I like about it is I hear hope you know, I hear hope and right. like a song like Believe in Love, mm-hmm. you know, so when you listen to the lyrics, it's deep, real questioning, you know, say goodbye to someone else's lies. Some days I get up in the morning and I wish it wasn't there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it starts right off with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> like no one wants to care. I'm like, whoa. Right. Uh, but what I like is unlike a song that just leaves it there, the resolution and answers come to the questions don't be afraid of the questions anymore. Surrender to love at the end of the song. Yeah. You know, so yeah. over your over your five minutes of listening, you're going from, yeah, I got these questions, but don't be afraid of the questions anymore. Make sure you surrender. Right. And words of music here by Chris Eaton. Nice. Yeah. I I did a little bit of searching. Have you guys ever heard Chris perform or sing this song? I have no. not. I haven't either. I couldn't find anything. Now, of course, there's the 1991 Michael English version, but I've never yep. heard Chris Eaton perform this, so that's I couldn't couldn't find anything. So maybe maybe one day something will turn up, but I I wasn't able to find anything. The the rawness of Russ's vocal here in this song just still as i listened kind of undoes me you know in and, mm-hmm. and, and and i i think his voice his vocal cords almost sound trashed at the end of the sax solo 
yeah. where he's, I've got to know, do you believe in love? And he just sounds, I mean, like his voice is shredded. Um, and I can see in the hands of a lesser producer stopping tape and going, oh, no, that that wasn't quite smooth enough. We should go back and redo that. But, you know, I think Jack Joseph Puig and whoever engineered this album, I'm forgetting off the top of my head, wisely left that in. And because it caught so perfectly the emotion of this lyric. And... Yep. This this to me is the pinnacle of Russ's vocal career. I don't know that he's ever done anything that is better than this. I'm I'm sure he's caught lightning in a bottle and done things as good, but this is for me. This is this is right up there um, at the top. And sure. Mark Douthat's sax solo sounds so right. that, part, that sax solo sounds yeah. so much like Bruce Springsteen, Clarence Clemens, E Street Band. Right. It's, it's so funny how they're kind of channeling that that mood there with that sax solo, and it fits right in. Oh, it, you know, yeah. It, yeah, it just it fits so well into the song. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but you know, basically in this time, eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, if you were in a pop, if you had a pop hit, it almost always had to have a saxophone solo. So you think yes. about all the the secular pop hits that show up on. 80s pop radio or whatever, they all have saxophone solos. And so they always sound, you know, in, in retrospect, a lot of them sound really cheesy. and Right. Uh, but not here. It sounds amazing. It's, yeah. It really is great. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. Is You know, a lot of times I think these sax solos are like, mm, they're in there, but I'm not quite sure. But yeah. this one just seems to flow right into that. Um, and then... Yeah. Uh, Mike Brignadello's again on bass. We got Dan Huff, James Hullahan on guitar. Uh, all all those combinations of things just bring it all together. Yeah. yeah. And then, like you would mentioned, so this is one of the first. There's lots of songs that either have been redone or are redos of other mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if you want to hear a different take on it, Michael English does it in 1992. Is it 92? I think it's actually on his debut album. Okay, yeah. yeah, 92. So, yeah, so there's two different versions right there for you. Yeah, yeah. Great song, great delivery, yeah. you know, amazing. Number four, we got Down in the Lowlands. And here we have a Charlie Peacock song. What yes. is the music by Charlie Peacock? Uh-huh. Um, what I love on here, uh, the the woman's voice, um, is who is that? Um, gosh, who is that singing that? In the very uh, beginning. Is that Rebecca Sparks? It's got to be, right? Yeah, I think it is, actually. Probably? Yep. Um, yeah. And I before this song, I had never heard the other versions. So this is my first introduction to this song, Down in the Lowlands. Yeah. So And so maybe that's why I personally like this version best. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I love the bass line, very out front. Um, once you get into, once you get 45 seconds into this thing, it's just all over the place. The bass line by who? Nathan East. Yes. Yes. Nathan East. <laughs> yes. And yeah. uh, you got, the, again, you got a sax solo in here, or, or tenor sax song, sound, I should say. Um, yeah. Soprano, or I guess they call it soprano sax. Soprano sax, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you got Charlie Peacock's version. So, if, and all the couple of years difference in this, right? The West Coast Diaries. Is where right. Charlie Peacock did it, and he had the male solo at the beginning of that song. Yeah, Vince Ebo singing mm-hmm. that, and yeah. it was very acoustic. Um, 
And then you're going to hear Charlie at the end of this song, very prominently toward the end. Yep. Yep. Um, and I would say probably Charlie Peacock's 1986 version sounds very close to this version. Um, yeah. And then later, Charlie, and then later Charlie Peacock does it again on his Full Circle album, and he has Tate, Avalon, and there it's very soulful, very rhythmic. Right. Um, and then somebody else does this song. Who's you that? Know, you know, Audio Adrenaline. No, oh, really? really? Does this I... on their Adios album. Huh. Gotcha. Yeah, so we've got so many people doing this song, but again, this is my favorite. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Is this, was this obviously the first time you heard this song? Was this version on Russ's album? Yeah, this was the first time I heard it, too. And it, this is like one of those songs that is, you know, upbeat. And you can get lost in how great it sounds musically and vocally. But really, the message is kind of a downer. I mean, it could be a ballad because he's like, he's screaming out for help, you know, mm-hmm. down in the lowlands where the water is deep. Right. You know, uh, could this be it? Could I be drowning? Mm-hmm. Have I failed to be heard by the only one who can save me? So it's a really a cry of desperation. Um but uh, once again, Russ's lyrics or Russ's vocals on this song come through, and he does a good job just of telling the story. You can hear that you know he's reaching out, needs help. I just wonder when he did this album, since he sounds like he does on this album, he had to just be exhausted after this process, right? Yeah, I would certainly think so. And emotionally, yeah. physically, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Right. So unknown to most people, he did this whole album in twenty-four hours. Oh, just kidding, just kidding. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but not but twenty not twenty-four consecutive hours. Right. Oh, right. Just right. One hour here, three days uh, later, another hour. Yeah. A week later, two more hours. Yes. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I kind of um of course this was the first time I'd heard this because at that point if you probably had to go to Cornerstone to get a copy of West Coast Diaries Volume 2, and so Charlie Peacock was nowhere on my radar at this point. But mm-hmm. as soon as I heard, I'm always I'm always the, the, the D in this trio uh, of us that likes things stripped down and bare bones, and so I always gravitate these days more to the West Coast Diaries version. But again, that's just me, so um, th- that's not to take away from this version. I'm a huge huge nathan east fan so anything with nathan east on it is automatically okay in my book so i i love this version as well it's fantastic for yeah. sure hey one of the so in the liner notes derek you can maybe answer this for me uh on percussion it says door percussion door percussion Co- koji koji hmm. like, i don't know are they playing a door a yeah. It's not a secret. I don't know. Don't know where to find it. Yeah. It's not... Wait, I have to back up to the D songs. Okay, there it is. Uh, all right. Um, yes, it does say Koji played door percussion. Um, I have no idea. Okay. Is. All right. Uh, I don't need yeah, I've, I've got nothing on that, Dan. Sorry. All right. Okay. I can Questions confirm that unanswered. it does say door percussion. That's about it. Yep. All right. Uh, All right, then we move on to number five, This Love is Strong. And what can we say again other than, again, just amazing passion of vocals, plea of struggle, staying together, um, I won't give up at the very end, I need you. Um, 
I just love the the. I also love the deep, like I said, lower range timpani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, um, and then of course uh, the vocal notes all during the chorus. You know, it's not easy fight to hold the ground we've won. Just you know, again, I think around this time, just stuff you really didn't hear much back then. I think it was a lot more upbeat and peppy. And then you get to these, it's like, whoa, somebody's like fighting for love. Yeah. You know? Right. I think every song of this, as I listened to it, there was one lyric that would pop out mm -hmm. that I thought, you know, at that time, I spent a lot of time mulling over that lyric. So in Shake, it was, I'm tired of great big men with ego kingdoms in mind trying to tell me how to spend my money and time. In Walk Between the Lines, it was, if my friends turn away, I won't sway. Something like that. Um, in Believe in Love, I, I honestly, I mean, that, that, that line in the second verse, some days I get up in the morning and I wish that I, I wasn't there. That, that line mm -hmm. really stuck with me. That, <clears throat> that, wow, that's really, that's really being honest and, and, and about your struggle and what you're dealing with. So, um, and, and then in down in the lowlands, it was, could this be it? Could I be drowning if I fail to be heard by the only one who can save me? And mm -hmm. so I think this, this love is strong. This, it will last. It will hold you up when you need it. was kind of the, again, there's just, it seems like every song has a little lyrical gem that I've hung on to for all these years that when I hear this album now, it's like, Oh, there's that, there's that line. I remember yeah. that line. Yeah. One of my favorite favorite lines on this is the ghosts of the past have infected our infected dreams. Our dreams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I love the way he sings it where he says, you know, the ghosts of the past have infected. I mean it's almost like he really emphasizes the C T infected our dreams. Like it's mm -hmm. you can feel like it's putting its talons in you. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. Yeah, you know, and you know Go ahead, Dave. I was going to say, it, when I first heard this song, it starts slow, and so we're coming out of down in the lowlands, and it starts slow, and I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, it's time for a ballad, and then all of a sudden, the chorus hits, and it's like, boom, you know, this love is strong, <laughs> it will last, and it's just like, you know, it makes you sit up, and you're like, yes, you know, it's just very inspirational, um, you know, the message is great, you know, we've talked about how this album can be a downer, you know, sometimes. But there's also inspirational moments, too. And I think yeah, this is one sure. of those songs. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not a ballad at all, is it? It doesn't no. really turn out to be a ballad. No. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and then, sadly, the Joe Joe Picaro recently passed away. He passed away on July 6th of this year. So oh, okay. The, the father, Picaro, passed this, this year, so... Wow. And this is uh, Words and Music by James Hollihan, Russ, and Tori Taft. Right. So that must be an interesting when they wrote that. Yeah. Very for interesting. Sure. For sure. Did you guys know that uh, James is uh, Russ's best friend from like high school? No. And, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do remember and that. And they've played together for years. And uh, so, yeah, they were able to write together and perform together. James plays in his band. Yep. Um, so it's quite a relationship. That's great. Yep. It's great. And then we get to the quintessential side B, first song, I Still Believe. Uh, right now, this song is number two on his Spotify account. So it's very, mm. very popular with him. Yep. Uh, it, got, it has a healthy 267,000 plays at any moment. Mm. Um, wow. Now, he, uh, again, Russ's signature passionate vocals. Uh, I think one of the best parts of the song, actually, is the outro 
where Russ is singing, you can't take that away from me. And he just <laughs> lets loose yeah. <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, uh, and I think a lot of people know, but this is a, you know, redone from uh, The Call. Right. Yeah. Right. From 1986. Mm-hmm. And if you, so if you listen to that version, it seems to me very stripped down. And again, this is, I was introduced to I Still Believe through Russ Taft first. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. And Same then way. went back and heard, oh, the call version. Um, and so it was 1986. Uh, the call version also had an extra verse in it that is not in this version. Right. Um, and the, that that verse is, I'm out on my own, walking the streets, looking at look at the faces that I meet. I feel like I want to go home. What do you, what do I feel? What do I know? Mm. So those lyrics are left out. Yeah. Um, and then that, the call version on Spotify has 2.5 million plays of that. Version. Right. So obviously very, very much more popular, but. Um, and the call version I think was featured on the soundtrack to the lost boys movie. So yep. that, uh, that raised yep. the awareness of that version quite mm-hmm. a bit, I believe. Yep. And then, so that's, so we got those two, ver- these two versions, and then he comes back later in 2018, so just a couple years ago, redoes it on his Believe album, yeah. and I believe for the movie, right? Yeah. And I, honestly, I love the redone version, actually. So, really? Probably because there's more shredding. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really good, actually. It's got yeah. a great guitar solo, and I think a much bigger bass is really forward in that song that it's really mixed in to the front um so i think that's what i like a lot about it yeah i rush russ's voice has definitely changed with age i mean we mm-hmm. all do so that's yeah that there's absolutely nothing surprising about that um so i i just love uh younger russ and what he's doing here in 87 vocally a little more than the newer yeah version uh, the the lyric that jumped out to me that had stuck you know, kind of with me all these years was when the darkness comes, I feel the grave. Yes. So, you know, when you go to bed at night and you're carrying a burden of sin, you know, you can sure, you can feel the heaviness if you've, if you've, um, you know, if you're living uh, in, in a, in a situation which, in which a sinful lifestyle has overtaken you. So that is, that is such a good line. Now, obviously Russ didn't write it, but you know, in this case, it's the singer, not the songwriter, and Russ just nails it when he sings it. So. Yeah, absolutely. This is still this might be my go-to Russ song when I'm listening yeah. to Russ. You know, yeah, it's one of those songs that if you're going through something, if you're having a bad day, um, you can just sing along and really get pumped up and kind of get a second wind. But uh, yeah, this is one that uh, I recommend listening very loudly to when you listen to it. <laughs> very Turn it loudly. Up. Yeah, especially in the bass line. You know, you're the bass player, Derek, but the bass is just fantastic in the song. Yep, it is. You're right. It, it, yeah, I love it on there. It's, that's that's Neil Steubenhaus on bass on this okay. one. So very nice. good. And this is this has Jeff Percaro on it too. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, so we have another Percaro sighting, which is always wow. good. Yeah. Um, so he plays high nope. hat. It says yeah, it says he's only playing the high hat. Yeah, so I have no idea really how that works out, that he's just playing hi-hat. Right. Evidently, evidently, it was too complicated for Mel Watts to handle, so they right. the great Jeff Percaro just to play hi-hats. Yeah. So, I think they just Mel, Watt, the... Mel Watts had too much else going on. He's like, hey, right. just, just play this over here. Yeah, just play that. 
they just wanted to be able to put Jeff Picaro in the in the liner notes. That's as, as right as one does. You right, know, that's, of course. That's, yeah, as one did back then. It's <laughs> great, and I, I find it interesting that uh, the call had this in 1986, and then here in 1987, Russ redoes it. So I'm, I'm I don't know, and you know, albums take a time to to do. So it's like, huh, I wonder where, if he heard the song from them first, then decided to redo it, or if he'd already met with them as writers and decided to do it on his own. I don't know. My but understanding so close. is, I, I, this is an apocryphal story, so I'm not okay. sure if this is true or not. So this, I remember reading somewhere that he, kind of in one of his Dark Night of the Soul moments, he heard, I still believe on the radio and it spoke to him and he made a mental note and wanted to record the song. So, okay. Wow. So we did. Okay. okay. Wow. So I, I can neither confirm nor deny that that's true. Russ isn't here to speak to it directly, but that, that's what I remember reading somewhere. How's, how, how's that for vague for you? That's I like great. it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and another little tidbit you'll love about this, Derek, this one actually is in sequence. Is it? <laughs> yes, this is the sixth song. Oh, and on the back is it's listed as six. Like, okay, I, I gotta <laughs> verify this for myself. One, two, yep. three, four. Yes, you're right. Okay, <laughs> that's great. They got See, label for sequence. It's except the only song. It's the only one that's in sequence. <laughs> yeah. Th therefore, that's why it's a hit. Right. You know, and I. I you know, now that you've mentioned it, I see that C label for sequence, and my first thought is, "Don't tell me what to do." I'll. I'll <laughs> what if I don't want to see a label for sequence? That's right, yeah. What if I want to imagine the album as it is out of sequence? So, <laughs> but there you go. So then we roll out of "I Still Believe" into "Steal Away." Yeah. So I don't know. This is one that I. This is the one where is I'm this like, is the I, one? Yeah, I think you could have been okay. I'll skip right over that. That's it's about forty three seconds. Would have saved you forty three seconds worth <laughs> music. But yeah. uh, I don't understand. It's kind of a big enigma for me. I don't. I don't know what's going on here. Well, I, I, I'll I'll give you my theory. Yeah. So, if you go and look at the first six songs. It, it it it's almost left you breathless, especially. I mean, everything builds up to kind of just the storm that is. I still believe, and it, you know, even Dave said this love is strong. Sound like it's going to be a ballad? Mm -hmm. Nope, it's not a ballad. Mm -hmm. And so you've got six just you know pedal to the metal songs. This song almost feels like a short, brief pressure release valve song. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and then I will say. And I, I've I've scoured the lyric sheet. Now it's out of sequence, so I may have missed something. <laughs> but I've scoured the lyric sheet. Yeah. And "Steal Away" might be the only song on the album that mentions Jesus by name. Oh. Okay. Oh, I so think you're right. That is my one criticism of this album: is that it's a little coy about who it's talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just throw that out there and say I wish Russ would have been a little more up front about that he was speaking about now if you read the liner notes all the you and the your and all that stuff yeah. is capitalized so you you get it um but i think you know that was very much a knock on ccm at the time are, are they talking about their girlfriend or their boyfriend or god and clearly russ is not talking about any girlfriend here he's he's talking yeah. about god so we all get that right but this song is the only song that mentions jesus by name so i think hmm. that's i like that that 
this song is in there because now we've heard the name of Jesus on the album. And that's a good thing. That's that's yeah, yeah. that's that's who that's who all this is being sung to. So And then my, my, Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, uh my take on this song is uh you know, he's a pastor's kid and he started singing in church when he was a he was a kid, like before ten, I think. And oh yeah, so he's real, uh, you know, real entrenched in gospel music. And I think this might be, like, like you said, a time for him to just take a breath, pay and you know, honor to his gospel roots. Do this chorus that sounds like an old gospel song, and really the tones of the songs from here on out are more positive um, versus the album. So this is kind of a I think you're right, Derek. In some ways, this is like a turning point for the album a little bit. Right. Yeah. And if you've noticed, a, a lot of albums, kind of the seventh song is kind of a, a sweet spot to put a ballad or a, a slower song. I've heard a lot of artists say that. They'll say, we try to kind of put the the big power ballad or the the mellow ballad song in the seventh slot. So hmm. um, I don't know if he was thinking that. I don't know because it says to see the label for sequence. Oh, no. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but anyway, I don't. I wonder if that's what they were thinking, too, yeah. was, was that. And so, also, and I, it, uh, it sure does was, look ahead to the Under the Influence album, doesn't it? Yeah, I was those. just going to say the same yes. thing. Is this God, a little... I stole it from you again. You I'm sorry. did. You're not in I'm sequence. Sorry. I'm not in sequence. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say, it seems like a little foreshadowing of his future albums. It like, sure does. It's got that slide guitar. It's got a little more of those gospel roots. Yeah. Um, but but at the time, I was really scratching my head. Hmm, that was interesting. Yeah. And then on to the next song. <laughs> and on to the next song. Yeah. So, Living on the Edge of Time. So, like you said, we go from, ooh, all, all this stuff just really in your face. And then we hit Living on the Edge of the Time, which even more in your face. I mean, this kicked up version. Yeah. Uh, I love the chants here. You know, all the different chanters is listed yes. in the liner notes. You know, yes. Hollihan, Nichols, Puig, Perkins, they're all in there. This is written by Hollihan, words and music. Yeah. Oh, I just, I love this song. And, and yeah. one, of the, one of the main reasons I love this song is because it features the late Jackie Street on bass. There it is I again, yep. just, oh, Jackie was, if... If you re- Jackie passed away in oh golly um I I want 2008 2008 is when mm-hmm. Jackie passed away and if you if you I mean I was very aware that he passed away I was on some bass guitar forums and and so uh, you know he was he was well known and so I went back in preparing for this podcast and looked up his CCM magazine obituary. And this, I just, I think this sums up what everybody felt about Jackie. Uh, At the end of this obituary, it says, affirmed Amy Grant. So this is what Amy says about Jackie. That sweet man was one of the best bass players this town has ever seen. Talking Mm -hmm. about Nashville. Sure. And so that's the way Amy and a whole lot of people felt about Jackie Street. I saw Jackie, and I know, Dave, you did too, because you took a picture of the back of my head at this concert. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Jackie played on the medals tour, and I couldn't take my eyes off of him. He just grooved so hard and looked so happy to be there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, he was, his, his face and his persona and attitude, they were like a they were like a magnet for me. So I just I love that Jackie got one song on this album and that's 
that's living on the edge of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is this is probably my second favorite song in the album. Uh, after I still believe. Yeah. yeah, the way it starts in, you know, it's just at the time a very current song about current situations, which we can use to uh, talk about what's going on today. You know, as my TV screams, it's a world of despair of desperate people see yep. themselves through empty eyes. Who can reach them? Who will lead them? I um, mean, we're seeing that today. You know, you watch TV, yeah. you watch the news, you're seeing desperate people. And what can we do to reach them and tell them, you know, hey, we're living on the edge of time. You know, we're not right. going to be here mm-hmm. forever. But, uh, you know, I love everything about this song. My favorite part, though, is the drums at the end. And my watch just going absolutely nuts as the song fades out. I just love yep. that. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. And that, and Dave, you picked up on the line that still stands out to me from this album. is watching as my TV screams. Yep. And it just, it, the TV screamed back then and they scream today. Yes. It just, it never changes. Never stops. Nope. It never does. And my some of my favorite lyrics are the winds of the future are bringing a change. I like that. Yep. yep. And then uh, and then at the time, you know, when I was singing back then, he also says when I uh, a burning and struggle struggle inside myself when I see this living hell. And I'm like, oh, can I say that? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, right. So I was, I was singing. I was like, oh, I don't know if I could sing that. But I don't uh, know. It, it was yeah. This is a great song. Yeah, sure is. And we move on to number nine, higher. Uh, and again, we got Charlie Peacock. We got Vince Ebo in the background vocals, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, yeah. And uh, is, who's on the guitar solo? Is that Hollihan or Huff? That's it's it's James Hollihan. Not, it was Hollihan. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And fantastic guitar solo. Yeah. Oh, I mean, love sure. it. Um, I like. And then Annie Stocking is the gal in the background vocals, and her outro vocals on this are amazing. Yeah. yeah. She's a longtime Charlie Peacock um, uh, kind uh-huh. of compatriot. She'll, if you look at a lot of the West Coast Diaries Volume 1 and 3, she's on a lot of that stuff. Mm. And then Charlie's self titled album on uh, Island Records, I think she's all over that record as well. So she, she shows up a lot in the late to mid 80s charlie peacock stuff so i definitely think that that's how she got into this uh session was charlie brought her in along the fence to well, uh, sing back it's written by hollahan russ and tori taff again john hyatt yeah john hyatt which i was gonna mention that you took okay. the words right on up go for it yeah john hyatt's kind of a americana singer songwriter guy so he's he is um he's big john hyatt's a big name so that's that's quite a coup getting John Hyatt to come in and co-write on this. Well, and it's interesting. So they're the writers and all that kind of. But Charlie still makes an appearance here, and Vincebo yeah. they still contribute. You yeah. know, typically I I see Charlie on with a singer when he's part of the writing process or something of that nature. But here he just almost like hey, they decided to stick around and let's let's help him out with yeah. backing vocals. Could have um, and been on they, the same day that they did ba- down on the lowlands or something like that. Right in that same twenty-four hours. Yeah, that same yeah, twenty-four hours. Right, yeah. <laughs> but not in sequence. Uh, because well, it's interesting because because he does they do make a down in the lowlands reference at the end yes. of the song. Take me out of the lowlands. That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or get me out of the lowlands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So maybe that, that's a shout back to. to right. uh, it's got to be a shout back to that. Yeah. Fun song, fun feel good song. 
higher. I mean, that's all yeah. I think about when I hear it. It's just there you go. You know, the background vocals are great. You know, as Dan pointed out, love the guitar solo. I can listen to that all day. Just a you know, higher is just a fun song. Oh yeah, this is great. And more saxophone. That's it. Yes. Song yep. too. Thank you, Mark Dalton. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so then we move on to number ten, "Breathe Life Into Me," um, written by. Derek, you're going to talk about this one? Michael Leeson and Peter Vale? Yeah. I don't so, really have a whole lot on them. Do you, oh, yeah. So okay, they perfect. actually wrote, uh, later write, Love Will Keep Us Alive by the Eagles. Really? In 1994. Wow. Yep. Cool. They did, uh, 1986, they did Eddie Money's Take Me Home Tonight. And then With, they did some... Wow, writing, Ronnie uh, Spector. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then did some writing for Sheena Easton. So big names here. That okay. uh, contributes words and music by those two. So, Very good. Yeah. Well done, Dan. Yeah, nice yeah. job. And Nathan East on the bass. Oh, yeah. So good again. I mean, yeah. Again, another one of those, it's, it's slow, um, but it just grabs me. Yeah. I love it. That breakdown, uh, you know, I can, I can feel your fan that a new life has begun. And then that breakdown yes. where James Hollihan has that bluesy solo, and then yeah. Nathan and Paul Lyme just sound so good together. Yep. Oh yeah. So it the bass chair in on this album is so good with Jackie and Neil Steubenhaus and, and Nathan East. So every they they were not hurting for bass players on this album. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. No. no. The it's bridge. Great. I think the bridge is the, my favorite part of this song. Um, I just love the way Russ sounds on the bridge. Start a miracle growing inside. Feel your heartbeat in mine. Uh, and it just goes right into the chorus. Um, yeah. But you, there again, you can just really hear the sound of desperation in Russ's vocals on this song. Yeah. yeah. And even though these, these, these two songwriters go on to write lots of other things, um, this song does just fit with Russ. I mean, I can't see like, the Eagles singing it or Eddie Money or anything <laughs> like that. No. You know, he just he just really sings this song. But interesting enough, another song has been redone later. And it's redone. No. Yeah, this it's been, song has been redone. Yes, it got redone by a gal named uh, Micah or Mika, okay, no, Paris in nineteen eighty eight. So oh. very soulful uh singer and she redid it and yeah, it, it's not as good. <laughs> I can say okay. that for sure. But gotcha. there you go. Another song. Been redone. Very good. On this album. And then we move on to number 11, the last one, Healing Touch. Um, so much great stuff to say about this one, too. But again, I'm going to, yes, talk about the bass again. But oh. Mike Mike Brignadello, just another just great bass uh, bass line in this. Yes. Uh, the, I'm so glad you brought that up, and we're stealing each other's thunder left and yeah, right here on this right? podcast. But that that was a me- that was that was what I wrote down on my notes. Just such a good baseline. If I were going to learn one song, just sit down and kind of analyze it, try to play it note for note, it would be the bass on this song. Mike's Mike's playing on this is just it's almost like another voice kind of percolating behind Russ. It's it's just so good. If, if you if any of our listeners want to definitely listen to one in headphones, it's this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and listen to Mike Bernardello's bass. It's just classic. Hall has guitar solo. Great again on this one. Yeah. Uh, I love the organ that you can hear in this song, too. It's kind of yeah. different from the rest of the album in, in that regard. 
And I love the line from the song, Shades of the Truth, Locked Up in Lies. Um, yeah, Healing Touch is a great uh, great way to finish out Rust yeah. Tower's Tap. I wish this one ended up on more Rust Greatest Hits albums, and there's a few, but I, I don't think it has ended up no. on any that I know of. But boy, this this one sure belongs there. That's, that's for sure. Yep. Of course, for Definitely. me, this is a best of album. Yes, this is his greatest hits album. This is the greatest hits. <laughs> this is it right here. So interesting enough, when you look back at these, so it's 11 tracks, 10 if you don't include the Steal Away song, but only four of them written by Russ and Tori. Yeah. So he, the rest of them are, he's got great songwriters, and then he, they just add, obviously he adds in his lyric, um, his vocals, all the great players on here. Um, and it just comes together in just one amazing album. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm just a huge guys, sucker. <laughs> do you guys, so you, are we in agreement kind of across the board that this, just in the way it's been produced and the sonics of the album have aged well? I, I think so. What I think so. Think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I got to listen to it today and it still sounds great. Yeah, I do too. I, it's just, it's aged beautifully and hats off to Jack Joseph Puig and, um, Lynn Nichols as the executive producer. They fantastic job, guys. Well done. One of the very yeah. few albums that I definitely can listen to all the way through the entire album. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. And then one last thing: Does this make any of you guys want to try to have a mullet again? <laughs> uh, possibly. You know? Okay, so po- we have one possibly. I, mean, I-, I couldn't pull it off like Russ can, though. Yeah, I've I've gone a little bit bald on top, but I I would always be up for retrying the mullet. But I have a house full of girls, and they've all voted me down. So I'm afraid my mullet days <laughs> are in the past tense. Yeah, they're kind of coming back, you know. So yeah, they you know, are. If you yeah, get a few months, you can just say, look, it's fashionable now. So no, I've been warned not to go uh, near the mullet. So okay, well, well you got to really got to do the mullet and the trench coat. Right. Right. Oh, yes, the trench coat. Yeah, the trench coat. I, I, I couldn't pull that look off either. No, so no. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> there was a time, but that time yes. is no more. It's gone. It's gone. So I. Speaking so of gone. You mentioned a couple of. Uh, uh, so I, I thought, you know, what we should start doing is giving a little homework to the listeners. So right after this, Ooh. I would spin up some uh, great songs. I mean, I still believe. I'm gonna do yep. that one. I would say for me higher mm-hmm. um, and believe in love. Yeah. Those would be great ones. Now I like what you said earlier, which is, but healing touch, throw that one on and just listen to yeah. that baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Living yeah, on the my- edge. Of, I would add living on the edge of time. That's the only one I would add. Yeah. Yeah. That's that one. I, I yeah. That one to me gets on my list just because of Jackie, just such a soft spot yeah. for Jackie, but for sure. But like Dan said, it's it, this is basically the greatest hits album right here, so you can't go wrong with any of these tracks. Nope. So, Dan, would you recommend our listeners uh, listen to the those songs in alphabetical order or like they are in the album? I was going to say, you right. can mix it up and just go in the sequence that's on the back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> totally mix Should it they, up. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. And with... With playlists these days being digital, you could do that in about 10 seconds. So. Right. <laughs> Make your own oh. deal. Well, that was awesome. Well, right. thanks, guys. Yeah. That was fun to think back on that one. And you've been listening to CCM in 3D. That's great. We'll see you guys later. Later. Thanks for listening. Let's see you next time.